1: Hello, you spooktacular people. Welcome to this fifth episode of the History Ghost Bump podcast.
2: Ghost tours for the theater of the mind. I'm your host, Diane. And this is Denise.
1: And as you might be able to tell via the audio, uh, we're both a little under the weather, so we don't have our perfect radio voices on this evening, so we hope you'll bear with us. Tonight's show, we're going to be featuring the Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel. But before we get into that, we just want to remind you to make sure to check out our website at HistoryGoesBump.com. That's where you can find out everything you want to know about the show, from places to find the show to our Emporium and various other things. Also, we want to let you know that Tuesday, this upcoming Tuesday, October 21st, we are going to be interviewed on the Right Stream Radio Network. Darianne Giovanni started this network, and she is going to be our interviewer. And we will be on at 4 p.m. Eastern time. So you'll have to figure that out according to whatever time zone you live in. But again, that is Tuesday, October 21st at 4 p.m. Eastern time. We will be on there. It is a live show on Blog Talk Radio. So you will be able to call in if you want to. Or if you want to hang out in a chat room, you can do that as well. We'd love to have you guys join us for that. The best way to find the show is to go to blogtalkradio.com. And just type right stream into the search box. And that is right as in W-R-I-T-E and then stream, S-T-R-E-A-M, all one word. I will also post the link at our various places that you can find us in the social networks, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Pinterest, Google+, all those places you can find us. I will post the link there. And after the interview is done, I also will post up the podcast so that you guys can listen to it after the fact, if you're not able to listen to it live.
2: Welcome to this moment in oddity history. On this episode, our moment in oddity is Dr. John Osborne's skin shoes. Outlaws in the old West go hand in hand. One such outlaw could be found in the Wyoming Territory and he went by the name Big Nose George Parrot because he had, well, a big nose. So large, in fact, that when it came time to bury him in his coffin, he wouldn't fit until several men had to push down upon the pine lid. Dr. John Osborne claimed the body of Big Nose George and decided to use the body for study, particularly his brain, since he thought that George was criminally insane. The good doctor's wife had been committed for being criminally insane, and he thought studying big-nosed George's brain would help him find a cure. In the end, many people might consider Dr. Osborne the insane one because of what he did with George's body. The doctor removed skin from George's chest and legs and then had it sent to a tannery with orders to create a pair of shoes from the skin. Dr. Osborne wore his shoes proudly. As a matter of fact, they were on his feet at his inaugural ball in 1893 when he became governor of the state of Wyoming. The good doctor also went on to become assistant secretary of state under President Wilson. The shoes still exist to this day and can be seen in their new home in the Carbon County Museum in Rawlings, Wyoming. Shoes made from the skin of an outlaw certainly strikes me as quite odd.
1: They're coming to get you, Barbara. Stop it. You're ignorant. They're coming for you, Barbara. Stop it. You're acting like a child.
2: They're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now.
0: He'll hear you.
2: Here he comes now. I'm getting out of
0: here. John!
1: This Day in History On this day, October 18th in 1945, the trials against World War II war criminals began in Nuremberg, Germany. Nuremberg was chosen as the site for the trials because it was considered the birthplace of the Nazi party since it held propaganda rallies there and the Reichstag-Nuremberg laws were passed there. Those laws were the anti-Semitic laws that led to the destruction of Jewish businesses and finally the roundup of Jewish people. The trials were conducted before an international military tribunal and by October 1st, 1946, 22 war criminals had been tried. Twelve of those convicted were sentenced to death. Among them were Reich Marshal Hermann Göring, Julius Streicher, Hans Frank, and Alfred Rosenberg. Three others that were convicted were sentenced to life imprisonment, and four other convictions led to prison terms ranging from 10 to 20 years. Three men were acquitted. The war crimes they were accused of ranged from enslavement, to persecution, to murder, and to extermination. One other man was tried in absentia, and that was Martin Borman. Other war criminals who were not tried because they had committed suicide before the trials were Robert Ley, Heinrich Himmler, Joseph Goebbels, and, of course, Adolf Hitler. we pride ourselves on being commercial free and we will never charge you a subscription fee for content obviously it's not free to produce the show and research takes time if you would like to support the show please visit our patreon page at patreon.com forward slash history goes bump you can support the show for as little as one dollar a month or perhaps you just want to make a one-time donation Click the donate button on our website at historygoesbump.com. The best support, though, is sharing the show via your social networks. We appreciate all our fans, and thank you. The Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel is located in downtown Hollywood at 7000 Hollywood Boulevard. The architecture of the hotel is in the Spanish colonial revival style, featuring rounded Moorish windows and wrought iron chandelier and lights with a giant lighted sign atop the edifice. You've probably seen it featured in many movies. The architects were Fisher, Lake, and Traver, a short-lived architectural firm that also designed the Stillwell Apartments in Long Beach and the Phoenix Westward Ho Hotel. If the name of the hotel makes you think of a president, that would make sense because the hotel is named for President Teddy Roosevelt. Stalwarts of the Hollywood community financed the building of the hotel and included Mary Pickford, Louis B. Mayer, Sid Grauman, and Douglas Fairbanks. The hotel climbed to 12 stories and featured 300 rooms when it was finished, and it officially opened on May 15, 1927. The grand opening was celebrated with several celebrities, from Charlie Chaplin to Will Rogers to Greta Garbo.
2: The Roosevelt fell into decline in the 1950s, and a new owner remodeled painting the hotel a horrid siphoned green and demolishing the historic archways. The beautiful painted ceilings were also covered. The Wrecking Ball came calling in the 1980s, but the Radisson brought the building and attempted to restore the Roosevelt to its former glory using historic photographs for guidance, and they did a good job. Thompson Hotels later brought the Roosevelt, and they manage it to this day. Parts of the Walk of Fame line the outside of the hotel, and the building beckons visitors to visit and transport back to the Golden Age of Hollywood. The hotel features vintage bowling lanes, an Olympic-sized pool, with the David Hockney Muriel painted at the bottom, live theater, and the Tropicana Bar. Unfortunately, the hotel has been extensively renovated and modernized by Thompson Hotels, which makes it perfectly comfortable for the modern era, but most certainly has lost a bit of its glitzy charm. Despite the interior renovations, the Roosevelt Hotel is one of the few historic treasures remaining in this area, along with the Chinese Theater that is a block to the east and the El Capitan Theater that stands on Hollywood Boulevard as well.
1: The Grand Blossom Ballroom of the Roosevelt hosted the very first Academy Awards in 1929, and it was banquet style. Thirteen statuettes were handed out by Al Jolson and Douglas Fairbanks, and the entire ceremony lasted a mere five minutes. This was the only time the Oscars were hosted at the hotel because it was not large enough for later ceremonies, and obviously it was the last time... An award ceremony ever took five minutes, don't you agree, Denise? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, how long does the Academy Awards go
2: now? Five hours? Something like that. One of the hotel's most famous guests practically made the Roosevelt Hotel her home. Marilyn Monroe lived in a poolside suite for two years after her star began to rise. She'd begun as a model, and that career started to take off just as she found herself newly single, having gone through her first divorce of, well, Minnie. Thus, she made the hotel home and enjoyed sitting in a dark corner booth at the Grill, which is named Teddy's today. The room was the largest and best in the hotel, and that suite is now named for her. Marilyn also posed for her first ad ever, an ad for suntan lotion on the hotel pool's diving board.
1: Other famous people would make the Roosevelt Hotel home as well. Clark Gable and Carol Lombard lived in a penthouse there, and that penthouse is now named for them. Along with the name change came a price change. A penthouse that Gable paid $5 a night for now runs a whopping 3500 a night. Ooh. Montgomery Clift lived at the Roosevelt during the filming of From Here to Eternity and paced the hallways of the ninth floor as he memorized
2: his lines. You may also know Errol Flynn as Robin Hood, but did you know him as a bathtub Jenner as well? The Roosevelt had a barber shop, and Flynn used a back room there to brew his famous gin recipe. And if you've seen The Little Colonel starring Shirley Temple, you may recall the fabulous tap dancing routine she does with Bill Bojangles Robinson in the film. They practice that routine in the Roosevelt Hotel on the stairs between the ballroom and the lobby.
1: With so much activity and so many famous people coming and going throughout the years, one would imagine that the Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel is haunted, and it reportedly does host a few specters. As mentioned before, Montgomery Clift has stayed on the ninth floor and paced the hallways. Apparently, his spirit liked the hotel so much that he has returned and could be seen pacing the floor and also practicing his trumpet. Room 928 had been his room, and people report feeling cold spots in the room, and both maids and guests
2: have been touched in that room. A mirror that had once been in Marilyn Monroe's suite was moved to a wall in the lower elevator foyer. People claimed to see the reflection of Monroe in the mirror. Recently, the mirror was moved into storage. Monroe is not stuck to just haunting her old mirror, though. She has been seen and felt in her suite, which is room 246. She has also appeared in the Cinna Grill, and the scent of her perfume lingers.
1: Carol Lombard has been seen hanging around the penthouse she once shared with Clark Gable. A couple of non-celebrity ghosts hang out in the Blossom Room. Psychics claim a nervous man in a tuxedo resides in there on occasion, and also another man in a white suit has been seen near and playing the piano. Piano music has been heard coming from the room when no one is there as well. And now a little break for a word about one of our sponsors.
2: Unseen entities occasionally take a dip in the pool. That'd make it different for those nighttime dips <laughs> that you might want to go on while visiting the Roosevelt, just saying. The website, hauntedhouses.com, reports, quote, security guards have seen ghosts take a late night, early morning swim in the pool. One such ghostly resident decided to do so at 3 a.m. in the morning to beat the crowds. While the security cameras picked up his image at the pool, a security guard went down to investigate. He communicated through walkie-talkie that no one was there while he was waving his hands at the camera. However, on the security camera, the guard was waving his hands right through the apparition's head.
1: You know, this story reminds me, since it's security guards and it's a security camera, I don't know how many of you have seen the video that's floating out there. It's gone viral and there's a lot of news stations that have been reporting this story out of New Mexico, but there's a police station down there that is reportedly haunted. And if you haven't seen the video and you don't believe in ghosts, you might after you saw the video, because there's, first of all, it's the police who you trust, and they're watching on their security camera as this looks like a person walks through a back-gated area that they have. I know I posted the video for this up at uh, History Ghost Bump on Facebook. I'm sure if you go to YouTube and search New Mexico police station ghost, it'll come up.
0: It started out as a pretty typical Saturday night. Espanola police officer Carl Romero was on duty, keeping an eye on the surveillance cameras around the station when he saw something in the Sally port. At first, that was like a polio, like a fly, a moth.
1: And then I saw the legs and it was a human.
0: But not a real human. No, it was just a ghost. So Romero reported it and told his supervisors. Detectives showed us the camera that captured the image. They say there is no way in or out of the secured area without an open gate. and alarm sounding. You can see a walk through. It
1: walks in the direction of the old uh, transport cages, and there's not really any way for it to get out of there, but it walks, seems to walk right through that.
0: Detectives say there's no logical explanation for this, not an issue with the lighting or a technical glitch. Turns out, there are a lot of ghost stories around here.
1: A lot of our officers have seen certain things. Uh, Some of our officers have felt what, what appears to be somebody breathing down their neck as they're working on reports in the briefing room.
0: Cops at the station also report hearing strange noises in the middle of the night and seeing unexplainable images in the lobby area, too. Española police tell us, as far as they know, this is not an ancient burial ground. And they say the police station has been here since 2006, but no inmates have died here. But they do say there have been some unsolved murders nearby. Do you believe in ghosts? Uh, I do, actually. I do believe in ghosts. Do you think that was a ghost? Uh, I do. I do believe it was something. (laughs) It's hard to say, but I, I do believe it was a ghost. These guys say they're not afraid of it, but it's definitely an image that haunts the officers who work here
1: poltergeist activity abounds with mysterious calls coming into the switchboard in the lobby from empty rooms rooms are locked and unlocked on guests disembodied voices are heard in various rooms as well a ghost that takes on the appearance of a little girl calling herself carolyn has been seen by hotel staff skipping about the lobby and some guests have seen her in hallways and i just want to uh, clarify you'll probably hear denise and i do this a lot on the show will say things like a ghost that takes on the appearance of a little girl or a child or something of that nature. Because for us, we don't actually believe in the idea that a child could be a ghost. I just, um, what are your thoughts on that, Denise?
2: Yeah, so for me, for a child to be left behind, I clearly believe that, that God would take them right into to himself, that he wouldn't leave them wandering by themselves, especially if they had a horrible horrible death, that they wouldn't be just left wandering alone still. So I I think children hold a very, very special place. And so I think that they would be taken up immediately and not left behind.
1: Yeah, my general belief is that if you're seeing a child ghost, it's a deception being brought on by something that more than likely, if it's trying to deceive you, is evil in nature. So possibly demonic. And I think it's to get your guard down because I truly do not believe uh, you know, I think children are innocent up to a certain point, And I just don't believe that God would leave them here for for some reason.
2: So is the Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel still playing home to celebrity ghosts who died long ago? Are ghosts creeping around the place? That is for you to decide.
1: Well, that's it for our show this evening. We are so glad that you guys were here to join us. Now, if you're listening to the shows and archives down the road, this won't mean a lot to you, but if you are listening to them currently, we are sliding into that magical day of Halloween, which happens to be my favorite holiday. I think it's, is it your second favorite, Denise?
2: Um, Yeah, I believe it's my second favorite. I like the Christmas holiday season a little bit more, but um, we go all out on both. Diane's already haunted up our... um front area and our lawn area. And so our house is looking great. We are working towards getting more neighbors to join so we can be the most haunted cul-de-sac in Claremont, Florida.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we have a little haunted cemetery out front. And I have a couple of other ideas for things that I want to add to it this year. And one thing I would recommend to you guys over at YouTube, there is a couple, a husband and wife, and I believe they're under Hollywood Haunter. And they do little DIY videos of how to make very cheaply, generally speaking, props for your Halloween decorations in your front yard or your backyard or what have you. So if you want some ideas for some things that you can do to haunt up your place, I would highly recommend their videos to you. Now, since we are sliding into Halloween, we are going to have some special shows. Number one, we're going to have a Halloween special on Halloween. And what we would love to get from you guys is is your own personal stories of paranormal, supernatural, unexplained experiences that you've had. So you can either write those up and email them to us, or you can, if you like to do the MP3 audio type thing, you can do a little, you know, brief audio, don't get too long winded and tell us your story. You can email that to us at historyghostbump at gmail.com. You can also use that email to send us any kind of feedback on the show that you would like to do. And then we will go ahead and share some of those stories on our Halloween special. That's going to be part of that show. Next week, we're going to do the Legend of Bloody Mary. And then following that will be the Velisca Axe Murder House. So that's what you've got coming up, coming into Halloween.
2: And speaking of a Halloween special, I don't know how many of you know, some of you have been listeners of Diane's for a really, really long time. So you might um know, but that's kind of what got this show its push, is that every Halloween, even when she was doing the political show, she always liked to do a Halloween haunted type show, and it was huge. And so... That got her um, interested in doing our first live show that we tried to do, and then eventually becoming this podcast. So so the history of, of our show kind of goes back to when Diane used to love to explore those those types of stories, urban legends, hauntings, and especially real experiences. So please be involved. We love, we love hearing your stories. And also,
1: we love to get your reviews over at iTunes and Stitcher. So we just ask if you subscribe at either one of those places that you give us a little review. We would greatly appreciate that well that's it from us thanks so much for tuning in this has been diane and denise you guys take care now bye-bye
0: check out the website at historygoesbump.com